Welcome to Real Estate Investing in the Real World Podcast. The topic of this episode is the ultimate buyer's guide to property associations. Those are homeowners associations. That is whether you have a condo, a townhome, or a single family home you're looking to purchase that is in an association. This training is for you because associations are incredibly powerful. It turns out that associations can have a huge impact on every little detail of your ownership of that property, which can impact value, it can impact your ability to resell, and ultimately it can impact the enjoyment you have with that property. Look, this isn't a new subject. I put together a training several years ago on the subject of being aware of buying in an association. Don't buy a property in an association. That was basically the summary because of all the problems that can occur. Here's the issue with that idea. More than 50% of all new home developments in America involve an association. The vast majority of new construction has this association blanket over it. But then you put in perspective the fact that certain areas of America also have the problem where almost every single unit is in an association, whether it's a bunch of townhomes, or if you're like me and you're a vacation rental investor, maybe you're buying uh, beachfront condos and they're all always in an association. So we can't simply ignore associations anymore. We have to hit them head on and we have to look at them and say, okay, what do I need to know about this association before I purchase? And that's what I'm going to share with you. To better educate potential buyers of properties that have an association covering them. Because the list of people that hate their association and hate HOAs in general is long and distinguished, especially amongst real estate investors. There is a lot of venom. There's a lot of hate on this subject. But if you know exactly what you're up against, you can navigate. And there are some good associations out there. They're not all horrible. We can't throw the baby out with the bathwater on a subject like this. And that's what I'm hoping to accomplish, to help you get an inside look. And when I say an inside look, I'm talking about decades of experience. I'm talking about wisdom that has been gleaned from lawsuits between associations and members, some that were over a million dollars in legal fees. We're talking all of the mistakes I've made. My apprentices have run into challenges. All the people through my YouTube network that have let me know about problems they've run into. It's all been collected here in this ultimate guide to buying a property in an association. All right, so let's dive into the components of this. Membership. Are there rules such as you have to be 55 or older? Are there rules that you can only be an owner-occupant, you can't be an investor? Are there rules such as you have to be approved? What is the criteria for that approval? You need to know what the membership is. That's killed us in the past on some great deals where you had to be 55 or older and my apprentice was not 55 and didn't have anybody they knew that they were 55 to be able to structure the deal. So know the membership. First right of refusal. Does the association have the right to buy the property before anyone else can buy the property. That's been a challenge for me on a really good deal I had and the developer bought the thing out from under me. Is there a first right of refusal? 
Fees. Are there fees to join, like an upfront fee? Uh, what is the monthly dues? You need to know if there have been any assessment fees. Assessments are when something uh, goes wrong. Let's say there's a hurricane and there's a bunch of problems to the, to the common areas and they have to assess everybody an amount to cover that problem. Or in the case, let's say they're transferring, this has happened to me before, between a septic to hooking up to the city sewer system and everybody had to pay $3,000. Uh, that was the assessment. So what are these fees and um, are, is everybody up to date on paying those fees? Are there any delinquencies among some of the members of these fees? And how much? And how much is the percentage? And this goes down a long road, right? I mean, there's so many things that go into this because this impacts your ability to get a loan. Because the underwriter, for especially if it's a conventional lender, they're going to look at these percentages to see if people are paying. I had a, uh, an apprentice who had a great deal, and it took him an extra six months to close the deal because what happened was the uh, assessment was for an extra $1,000, and half the members didn't pay it, put it in delinquency, and he couldn't get a single lender to lend on it because of the delinquency of the assessment until everybody caught up, paid their bills, and then six months later, he was able to get um, the buyer a uh, conventional loan. So you've got to know the fees, and you've got to know the fee structure and who is delinquent and who is current and what, uh, what you need to be up against when you're buying the property, not only upfront, what the monthly is. And get this on fees. There is a uh, there is a, a development in Palm Beach County, Florida, and it's on a golf course, and right now owners are selling uh, these units for somewhere between $1 to, to $10,000. And these are three bedroom, two bath, nice condos on a golf course. And you're thinking, huh? What's the catch? There's an $80,000 fee to join the association, which is mandatory to join. So you have to pay $80,000 just to join. So, you know, your condo can be a dollar, but then you got $80,000 up front for the condo association. Then they charge $30,000 a year in dues at this condo complex. And then there's a requirement on the total number of times you must go and eat at the restaurant that's in that development. This is all true story. So you got to know the fees. It can make a huge role in your value. I've seen situations where condos are selling for so much less than they should be simply because of the fees. Can buyers of units in that association get conventional financing? This is more of a problem with condos, but it can still be a problem with single-family home associations as well. The way I figure it out, I use PropStream, and what I'll do is I'll research other units in that association that have sold in the last couple of years. I'll research if they have a conventional loan against them. If they got conventional loans against them, or even if the property I'm looking to buy has a conventional loan against it, in almost all cases, I'm good. Now, I still verify things like fees to see if certain uh, percentages are out of whack for conventional financing, but that's important. In addition to conventional financing, find out if the actual association or development is FHA approved. So that's separate, right? So conventional financing might do it, but an FHA lender may not do it. Now, FHA is important, especially for first-time homebuyer price points. In fact, in a lot of situations, it's only FHA buyers that are going to buy a property in that complex. So you need to verify that. And there's a simple link down below that will take you to verify. So anytime you're buying a property in association, find out not only conventional financing, but also find out if it's FHA approved as well. Reserves. 
Separate from fees, associations have to keep money in savings. These are their reserves. Now, there's two types of reserves. There's the reserves in case there's an emergency, like I mentioned, a hurricane. But there's also the reserves for things that they know are coming. Let's say it's a condo building. They know they're going to have to replace the roof. Maybe it's every 20 years. So are they slowly building up a separate reserve because they know they're going to have to replace the roof? Or they know they're going to have to resurface the pavement in the parking areas? Need to know the reserves, where they're at, if they're underfunded or right on target, and then how are they funded? Are they funded as a small percentage of the fees that come out each month, or is that with that upfront fee that you pay when you first join, does that go toward reserves? And if no one's bought or sold in the, in the development in, let's say, two or three years, does that mean that the reserves are underfunded? And speaking of a new roof, let's talk about the repairs that have been done to that building or the common areas. You know, how, how old is that roof? When's the next one supposed to be replaced? Uh, what about exterior paint on certain uh, common elements or if it's a building? You need to know where, they, where these things stand. And that gives you a better picture of what could be coming down the line, maybe two, three, five years from now. Look, it can be a real backbreaker for a property owner if the association says everybody's going to have to put in an extra $5,000 to pay for this, 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 and this. And these are things that they could have been saving for for 20 years, right? So you need to have a clear picture of this. Things like, you know, maybe you have to get an inspector involved. You need to inspect the HVAC, if that's a common element. Or what about the plumbing, if that's a common Common element and everything in between. You gotta know because now you're not just talking about a, an inspection on your unit. You also have to have an inspection, if you will, uh, on all the common areas. And, and again, I'm not saying you necessarily have to pay for it a separate inspection, but just ask the inspector, go look at these things. And that also means you have to know what the association is responsible for and what they're not responsible for. Most associations have a blanket or umbrella insurance policy that protects those things that they're responsible for. You need to get a copy of their declaration page, send it over to your insurance agent, have them look at it and understand what they're responsible for and what they're not responsible for. You might be saying, time out, Phil, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is crazy. You expect a buyer of an association, whether they're going to be a homeowner or whomever they are, to do all this and all the stuff you're about to talk about? Yes, I do. In fact, I'm buying a beachfront condo right now, and I'm going through all this and, and then some. I expect you to get it all accomplished, absolutely. Because if you make a mistake here, it can be huge. It's worth it. If you're going to spend tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of your own cash, never mind the loan you're going to get, you need to know what you're getting yourself into. And yeah, I do expect you to get through all of this good stuff. So let's keep going. Does the association have any lawsuits going on right now? Is a member suing them? Are they suing a member? Maybe they're going to be uh, taking what was owed to them and they're going to put it into a lien against the property. Are they trying to foreclose on one of the members for not paying for the delinquent dues? Are there lawsuits related to the property management company that the association has paid and, and, and they're the ones kind of in charge of managing the association? you got to figure out if there are any lawsuits because if they are, those can be very educational. Why is a member suing the association? Why is the property management firm under litigation from another place that they are the manager of because of something that they didn't do right? you got to find out what the lawsuits are. And then you have to also read the actual rules and regulations, the documentation for the association to find out if you as a member sue the association, who pays the legal fees? Because if you pay all the legal fees, then it's a lot harder for you to sue the association. right? So you've got to know what's going on on the legal landscape of all this because this can play a huge role. I had one of my properties where there's massive litigation going on between the original developer sold one of the common areas 
to one of the unit members. And so uh, what ended up happening was the rest of the unit members got together and said, wait a minute, wait a minute. We want that common area back. The developer didn't have the right to transfer title on that common area. And it cost an enormous amount in legal fees. And we had to pay assessments to help pay for the legal fees to get this stupid common area back that I didn't even want. You need to know the, uh, the landscape. What percentage of the units in the association are owner-occupied versus rented? That's very helpful, especially when you're getting a loan. But there's more to it as well. If you're buying a property in an area where there's vacation rentals, for example, or Airbnbs, it can be real educational to go through. You can go to Airbnb or HomeAway. You just search, you know, in this case, it would be maybe the city name. Then use the map to locate the actual area where the association is. So don't put in any dates. So you see every single unit that's up as a vacation or short-term rental. And then go through each listing and read all of the reviews. You'll learn so much by hearing from the reviews of the guests of the people that have stayed in other units in that development. I have learned so much over the years doing that, and it's been a, a make or break in some instances for buying a vacation rental investment for myself. So, owner-occupied, if it's not, that can be real helpful. If there are property managers that are managing leased units, call up those property managers. Say, hey, look, I'm looking to buy in this development. What do you know about that rental unit? What do you know about that association? Speaking of short-term rentals, let's talk about rules now. Uh, renting. Uh, can, you, can you rent by the night? If there is a nightly rental, what is the rule? Is it three-night minimum, seven-night minimum? Is it a one-month minimum? Is it a one-year minimum? Can you rent at all? What are the rules on pets? Can you have dogs? Can you have cats? Can you have a pig? Is that considered an animal? What about service animals? How big do they have to be? Small, medium, large? What's the definition of small, medium, and large? What happens if they bark more than three times and get complaints? Do they have to be removed? What are the rules on pets? What are the rules on contractors? Do they have to be approved? Special licensing? Do they only have specific contractors that you can even hire? What are the rules on renovations? So are there certain times of day you can do it? If you are going to be replacing the floor, are there special materials you have to put down? Do they have rules on which color roof shingles you can put on your house? What, what color exterior paint you can put on your house? So this right here is a big subject matter because it also involves, if you're whether you're a homeowner or an investor, the improvements you make to your property, what you can and can't do. What are the rules on common elements? Those are the things that people can visibly see from when you are inside your unit and they're outside your unit. So can you put towels on your balcony if you're on an oceanfront condo? Believe it or not, a lot don't allow that. Do you have to have special permission based on the blind color you use? Can it only be white blinds? Can it be black blinds? What are the rules on blinds? What are the rules on anything that is exterior that they can see? Do you have to have approval on anything you do with renovations, whether it be a kitchen upgrade, whether it be replacing a floor? What are the rules not only on the common elements, but on the renovations as it relates to what you can and can't do? What are the rules on parking? Do you get your own parking space or more than one space? If you do, are those deeded spaces or are those just uh, assigned? And if they are assigned, how are they assigned? Can they be taken away? Who can park there? Can only you park there? Can a guest park there? If you do have a deeded space, can you put a storage unit on there? Or can you not put a storage unit on there? Is it actually your property to begin with? Who owns the common elements? The common elements, are they your common elements? And like, let's say you're 150th owner, or does the association own the common elements? Can the association sell the, the common elements? Can only you with approval? And if there is approval, how many must approve? Is it is it 51%? Is it 75%? Is it 90%? Are you having fun yet? Because you need to know all this stuff before you buy a property in an association. Sorry, it's the real world. What are the rules on common element access? Example, 
we were trying to uh, move out of a property that I had purchased and the seller couldn't move out that day because you could only use the elevator for move out only one unit owner per day and there was like 500 condo units in the building so he had to wait three more days before he could move out so are there rules related to who can access the common elements when they can be accessed and everything in between and what about changes are there any proposed changes are there any discussions of change are there any rumors of discussions of changes to the HOA or the association documents in any way. In fact, you should get a copy of all of the association documents and read everything. But I mean, not only the original documents, but also any addendum, any changes that have occurred. And what I end up doing is I get in touch with either an association board president or one of the board members or one of the officers or someone who represents the association. I get them in writing to tell me no, there are no changes upcoming. No, there's no plans to increase the fee. No, there's no plans to increase the, uh, the assessment. No, there's not this. I get them to email that to me. I need it in writing. I don't want to just hear from the listing agent because they don't know. This has happened many times where what the association president or board member does is they fill out what's called the estoppel and in a typical estoppel which the title company orders it's kind of like this this information sheet if you will on the association uh, they'll ask questions like are there any pending assessments and the board president with all honesty can say no because they know that the assessment is not going to be officially voted on until a week later after the closing. Because remember, sometimes the person selling you the unit is really in, uh, in close with the board and they know what's going to be happening in the future. So you've got to tie these people down to admit to, in writing, if they know of any discussions or any rumors of any changes. Because all that can play a huge role in you becoming an owner and of that property and that association. All right, well, how you feeling? Whew! So I hope that has given you some insight into the world of buying a property in an association. You've got to tread very carefully, but it doesn't mean that you should completely abandon the idea because now more than ever, there's less and less non-association inventory out there. So I hope you've given you a roadmap in order for you to navigate around what could be a major problem if you buy incorrectly. Well, I'm Phil Pustiovsky, by the way, if I never introduce myself. I am the uh, owner-operator of Freedom Mentor, and that is a company I started a long time ago to educate and mentor real estate investors on becoming financially free. Many of the most successful real estate investors in North America got their start with us. Now, if you are first getting started in that subject of real estate investing, I encourage you to get a copy, absolutely free, of my book, How to Be a Real Estate Investor. I give it away free. And um, that's to the test time. It's 10 years old. It's got a trillion, at least feels like a trillion positive reviews. And uh, it, is, it is a bedrock foundation of becoming a real estate investor is reading that book. If you've already read that book, you've already been through a lot of my videos, and you want to take your real estate investing to the next level, Consider my apprentice program where I take people, even complete beginners, and my coaching team and I, we transform them into money-making machines.